thrilled that Premier Daniel Smith has found time in her day to join us. Uh, Premier, thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I hope you can hear me. I'm on my on my cell phone and on my earbuds, so let me know if you have any trouble. No, sounds good. Sounds great. Um, okay, lots to get to. Uh, uh, let's start with the most recent first. Yesterday, federal government reaching a deal worth almost a quarter of a billion dollars on housing the city of Calgary. 7,000 new homes by 2027. You issued a statement afterwards saying you welcome the funding, but you are reviewing Quebec uh, law Bill M30, which requires the federal government to negotiate and cooperate with provincial uh, priorities and programs. So, are you saying there's, that you have issues with this deal? Just give us your take. You, you you welcome the funding, but you're investigating the law. So tell us where you stand on this announcement. Look, I you know I'm 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 glad that um, Mayor Gondek has the um, the ability to go through the application process, do the lobbying to be able to get the share of the funding that Calgary deserves and needs. That's fantastic. But uh, we have 355 municipalities yeah. in this province, and uh, we if we do this system where the federal government is requiring one-off announcements. Calgary and Edmonton will benefit, but what happens to the others? I've got to make sure that every community in Alberta is treated fairly, and I, I don't like the way that they're doing a workaround on us. I think we'd be better off going the approach that Quebec did. Quebec just announced $900 million, and then they're going to work with the communities most in need, and they have the expertise to know that, to make sure that it's divvied out fairly. And so we're, we're hoping that the next uh, tranche of cash is, is a, a bit more cooperative so, so that we can make sure everyone benefits. So you would like the money handed to you or, 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 or uh, to the province, generally speaking, to be determined? where it goes by the provincial government, what what would it look like that would be more palatable to you? Well, we'd have, a, a, just like what Quebec just announced, they had a joint press conference. They announced $900 million from the federal side, $900 million from the yeah. provincial side. And presumably, they will, um, they'll, they'll, they'll work together so that they, they so that the federal government knows where the priorities are. I mean, I can tell you, we've got massive mid-sized communities here. I think we're now up to 24 mid-sized communities, over 15,000. They've been growing by leaps and bounds. Some of them have been doubling and tripling in population. Those are the ones that, that I think are a huge priority to make sure that we've got housing needs. And I'm a little bit worried that uh, with this one-off approach that the federal government's taking that they might be missed out that's that's part of the reason we want to work with them so that we can identify the priorities so our meeting scheduled like where do we go from here because i think you're right i mean edmonton will they'll be in a similar announcement with edmonton if not today well very shortly i would assume you're not going to do it just in calgary and not in edmonton so what's the process for that well, I've asked my, my minister, who's responsible for this, Jason Nixon, he's my minister of Seniors, Community and Social Services, to, to see if we can make an approach to the federal minister to see if there's some way that we can get uh, some kind of matching funding and, and do a similar program. So we'll okay. see if the, if the federal government is interested in working with us the way they did with, with Quebec, but uh, it's worth a shot because we know how important this is to make sure that we're addressing this problem. We're growing faster than virtually any other province, I think, with the exception of Saskatchewan. So we, we have to make sure that we have an affordable housing stock coming on. The other story, of course, that's dominating headlines lately is the Alberta Pension Plan. And, and and the question I want to ask you, and I'm glad that you're joining us today, why? Why are we doing this? I mean, the latest polling shows about 27% of Albertans think it might be a good idea. Even within your own party, it's a 50-50 proposition at best. Why are we going down this road again? Well, I hope people look at the life work report, and in particular, the, the appendix, because what they'll see is from 1966 through to today, they have a list of how many, how much money in premiums Albertans paid, how much money in benefits got paid out to our seniors, 
how much leftover there was and what that would compound to by now if we'd had that invested separately. And it's uh, it's $334 billion. Alberta always overpays on every single federal program that is administered. And I, I think we have to ask the questions about whether we want that to continue. Right now, I think we're paying about $8 billion worth of, of premiums and our, our seniors are getting about uh, $5 billion worth of benefits. So year after year, $3 billion is leaving this province to, to be invested elsewhere. That could go to increasing benefits or, or reducing uh, contributions, and I think that that's a conversation worth having. It's disingenuous to frame it that way. You know, I mean, Alberta's not writing any checks. We all pay the same amount as a Canadian, and we all receive the same benefits as a Canadian. It doesn't matter where you live. It's not like Alberta's being ripped off. It doesn't matter where you live. The cost is the same, and the benefit's the same. We ha- we can't frame it as Alberta is overpaying. Well, we can, because that's how the, the, the program was set up. Our constitution allows for us to have our own pension. We made the decision in 1966 right. to join in, and Ontario actually was the one at the time who said, I'm joining in, but we need to make sure that if we ever decide to leave, that we leave on, on a terms that would leave us no worse off. So it was Ontario initially who was concerned and made sure that the formula that's in the act today was, was put in there. And so this is a group of provinces who came together to decide to work collectively. Yeah. And now we have to ask the question of whether it's working for us. And uh, I, I wanted people to know the numbers. I'm persuaded, um, but, I, but, but I think people need to, to make their own judgment and let us know what they think. You mentioned the numbers, and I'll just ask you, do you think that's reasonable? The 334 uh, million, 334 million, or billion rather, uh, 53% of the entire fund. Do you think, would you like to make me a bet right now that Alberta will actually walk away with that? I think that the, the federal government is, um, to their credit, agreed to come back and tell us what they think the, the act says and give us their interpretation. And I welcome that. I hope they do it quickly because it'll avoid a bunch of unnecessary legal wrangling. But I'll be interested in seeing how they do the interpretation. But the act is pretty clear about uh, how it was supposed to be administered. And we, that's why we hired LifeWork. We did the report. Um, then we did an updated report, and now we've released it, and that's what the numbers show. So if the federal government has an alternative way of looking at it or interpreting the act, we, we look forward to starting that conversation, and I'm glad they've agreed to do it. Wouldn't it make sense to have that number before we start this conversation and before we start the telephone to- uh, fo- uh, town halls? I mean, you're asking Albertans to weigh in on a deal when they don't know the terms of the deal. Uh, how? how what, what's the point of this? Well, we heard from from the uh, consultations. I think the the last one uh, is uh, is li- this week in the Edmonton area. Uh, that they want they do want more information. They want to know what the what the firm number is, and they want to know a little bit more about portability. So I'll, I'll wait and see what uh, what uh, Jim Dinning's uh, advice to us is after hearing from uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of Albertans, and then we'll make a judgment. But I I think what I've taken away is that we need to get that number. We need to get it firm, and then we need to uh, to go back out and do a consultation with the people once we know. So I hope that Christopher Freeland gives us that number very quickly. Um, Jack Mintz, as you know, wrote a piece about this pension plan before it was ever even announced the day before. And he seemed to have the figures because they, they matched what the government came out. He said at the end of his piece that, you know, this could be in some way a lever that, that your government could use to ratchet up pressure during negotiations with the Trudeau government on climate change regulations and all the rest of that stuff. Any truth to that? Like if there was a situation where the prime minister came and said, listen, we'll give you a concession on 2035, just stop with the APP. Would that be a deal you'd be willing to enter into. I, I, I just keep the 
two of them separate. What I do like is that we now have the entire country finally talking about our grievances. We've been ignored for a long time. I think Albertans um, are, are constructive members of Confederation, and yet we have a federal government that continues to disadvantage us in so many ways and are now actively trying to destroy our industry. So I think we're having a constructive conversation with the rest of the country about a lot of our grievances. This is just one. It, so it's given us a, a platform for us to be able to hopefully address some of those. I mean, I, I wish the federal government hadn't ignored us when we had an equalization referendum saying that we wanted to negotiate, renegotiate the terms of equalization. They just simply went ahead and reaffirmed the program as it is for the next five years. It's very frustrating, not just to me, also to the Premier of Newfoundland and Labrador, if you can believe it. He wants to have a working group with me to figure out if we can come up with a joint proposal for how to address equalization, because it's just as unfair for his small province. So I, I think that we've started a national conversation that's really important, because the, the Constitution matters. Federal jurisdiction should be federal jurisdiction. Provincial jurisdiction should be provincial jurisdiction. And we should find a way to make cooperative federalism work. So it's one piece of many issues that we've got with the federal government. Um, okay. Uh, another issue that people talking about, of course, is, is health care in this province. And, and, and I'm sure you, you know, you've sat in this chair, so you know how it works. Every time I talk about health care and the issues that we face, and it's not just Alberta, but across the country, but specifically when we talk AHS in this province, what I hear over and over and over again from ambulance drivers, uh, nurses, doctors, admin staff, you name it, it doesn't matter. They say AHS has too much bureaucracy. They have too much management. They don't value the frontline workers. The plan as I see it, and help me if I'm missing something here, creates more bureaucracy and management. We go from AHS to AHS plus four organizational groups, 12 new advisory councils. Uh, It seems to me there's more management, more bureaucracy, more red tape. What am I missing? Well, I can tell you on primary care in particular, because we made an announcement a couple of weeks ago that we were going to be setting up a a new approach on primary care. Primary care should be the responsibility of the department. We're the ones who negotiate with the doctors. We're we're the ones who set that pay. And yet we only had eight full-time equivalents in our primary care division. AHS, meanwhile, has 122. So by pulling that into our department, we, we will be able to streamline operations, but also be more effective in how we deliver it. We've, we've seen that across the board. Things that should be department functions. We have a teeny tiny staff and uh, AHS has a massive bureaucracy, even though they're not principally responsible for it. We've seen that uh, with me- mental health and addiction as we've been uh, working on disaggregating that over the last few years. And then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, do the same thing on continuing care. So I'm, I'm not anticipating that it's going to increase the number of uh, managers. It's just going to move them so that the report in a different department and hopefully be able to, uh, to dramatically streamline the operations. And, and so I'm, I, I would say that this is step one. It's going to be 18 to 24 months as we yeah. go through the restructuring. So I, I'm, uh, our, our goal is to make sure that frontline people who are seeing the eyes of patients every single day, that uh, that's where the dollars need to be. That's where the investment needs to be, not, not in the management layers. Um, I, I understand it. it, it reforming a, a, a system such as a, a healthcare is going to be a lengthy process. 18 to 24 months seems totally reasonable to me. The question I have, though, is we're taking a look at a situation now where I don't know if we can wait that long for some of this. We've got uh, two hospitals in Edmonton that say they're over 150% capacity. They can't take any more patients. We've got all kinds of issues happening, as you know, and we have for some time. What can we do right now? I think that's that's a big concern that Albertans have. And Okay, understandably, we need to change things for the future, but right now we're at a crisis. Well, this is what's really exciting about the new structure, is now Alberta Health Services will be able to focus on its principal job, which is delivering the very best acute care 
in the 106 facilities that it operates on our behalf. We also have Covenant Health that operates facilities mm-hmm. on our, have, our behalf. We also have chartered surgical centers that operate facilities on our behalf. They will now be treated as separate entities. The problem that we observe with Alberta Health Services is they can't be the guys who get the money, deliver the service, and then contract to their competitors. Because what has been happening is that we've been seeing that, the, um, that certain facilities have not been used to their full potential. That's part of the reason why we're developing an optimi- optimization secretariat within the department is we're going to go through and we're going to look at each hospital and say, do you have uh, operating rooms that aren't being used? Do you have operating rooms that need to be upgraded? Do you have wings of hospitals that have been closed or mothballed? Let's open them up. That, that's the, the, the hard work that is now going to take place. And I'm hoping with AHS being able to focus on its core business, which is delivering the very best care in 106 facilities, that we'll see um, improvement right away. Okay. Uh, how, when you say right away, do you mean uh, the 18 to 24 month time frame, or you're obviously hoping it's sooner than that? Immediately. improvement right away. Yeah. I mean, and, and also, um, if we need to have more charter surgical centers like we have with knee and hip replacements, we now do 60,000 surgeries mm-hmm. of our 300,000 in those doctor-run facilities. If we, if we need to, to get more of those up and running, we will. So we, we, need to, we need to increase capacity, and we now have the ability to move quickly on those things. Uh, we're running out of time, but I do want to ask you this, this one question, and I don't even know what the province can do, but it's something that I've heard from listeners, and it's something that's certainly caught my attention. Um, Increasing violence in in Edmonton and Calgary. I'm sure you heard the story in Edmonton, the 11-year-old boy killed in what looks to be a gang-related execution. Uh, We had the daylight shooting in Calgary uh, on Monday with one dead, two injured. Are we doing enough? It seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse uh, with gun crime and gang crime in the province of Alberta. Are we doing all we can? Short answer, no. I mean, we started this process when I came in a year ago of getting the budget allocation so we could hire more sheriffs so that we had an allocation so that we could get more officers on the beat in both Calgary and Edmonton. Training takes time. Recruiting takes time. Um, but I'm, it's, I'm, we're just having a conversation with, uh, with um, Minister Ellis today. I believe he's he's uh, doing a, a, a media availability tomorrow. We, we know that we've got to accelerate what it is that we're doing to be able to address the, the these serious, serious problems. So we've been developing new divisions in our in our sheriffs, uh, you know, job openings are there. So if anyone is wanting to, to spend a life in in, um, in public safety and public service, we, we're hoping that they'll apply for these positions. But that's that's what it takes. It takes a little bit of time to get people through the academy. And uh, but we we know we'd like to see some deployment. We've been working with both the, the chiefs of Calgary and Edmonton to see if there's some way that they can fast track some beat cops in the worst areas. And we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we've got the resources so people can feel safe. Uh, Premier Smith, I, I know I took a little more time than I promised. I would, but I do appreciate you sticking around. Thanks so much. You bet. Thanks, Jay.